Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Unlimited. Today, I'm sharing a session I did with a married mom of a three-year-old who was trying to figure out how to do public health full-time. She'd had a near-death experience after the birth of her son that rearranged her priorities. She started a nonprofit, and she is now trying to figure out what direction her career is going in. She has a PhD in virology and was finding that the way that people view her and her experience doesn't seem to be matching where she wanted to take her career. She's applying for jobs, and she signed up for this session because she's feeling a bit adrift with this career shift and stuck in the process. Her hope from this session was to have a little bit more clarity and an idea for a path forward. I was thinking about these words, and almost every time I work with a client, they say afterwards that it went beyond their expectations. And I don't say that to like toot my own horn or anything like that, though, of course, it's always nice to hear. (laughs) But I say it because it's interesting, the words that she used and what I see with people when they step into coaching work of what they hope to achieve from that work. One of the reasons that people hesitate to invest in coaching or or really any big investment, whether it's a financial investment or a time investment or just an energy investment, is because they've already limited their possibilities. And we do this subconsciously. It's, it's this not trusting ourselves to make big things happen, or maybe it's not even allowing ourselves to think that big for a variety of reasons, life experiences. We naturally don't allow ourselves to see beyond what we are used to. So what she said was a little more clarity and an idea for a path forward. those are her words. What she came away with was a recognition of what she really wanted and that the dream goal was actually attainable. She discovered that the main thing blocking her from even seeing this was that she'd been subconsciously devaluing her time and experience. Again, those are her words after our call. It's a far cry from the little more clarity and idea for a path forward. Again, I can't take credit for that because it's it's just not all about me. I didn't live her life. Just like if we were to work together, I didn't live your life. I didn't gain your knowledge and wisdom. I didn't cultivate your gifts. What I do is help people connect the dots so that you can see all of the amazingness that you are. You know, see into that blind spot shaped like you that I talked about in last week's episode. We all think that we're aware, right? Like, especially those of us who have done a lot of self-work. <laughs> There's this sense that, well... <laughs> I, I have done all this awareness work, like I, I'm pretty self-aware. But there are always blind spots. You, you can't really avoid them. There are things in our life that are just too close to us to be able to see. So I encourage you to listen to the process. Note the awareness shifts. It's really the coolest thing. And by thinking that we have all the awareness already, that we already know ourselves so well that we can't learn something new or that miracles don't happen, right? That that is a limitation in and of itself. And 
we often don't realize that we're limiting ourselves. So take a listen. It's one of the reasons why I love sharing these sessions is because sometimes hearing someone else's ahas, hearing someone else's process helps you see the places that you were blocking yourself, the places that you didn't think to look at. It's one of the reasons, as I've mentioned several times, that I love group coachings. So before we get started, I do want you to know that my group coaching is open for enrollment right now, and it starts again in March. If you would love to clearly know what you want to create and the actions to make it a reality, if you want to feel motivated and confident when you get up in the morning and calm and fulfilled when you go to bed at night, if you are done holding back and it's time to holistically upgrade your life, then check out the Flow Mastery Group. In the group, you get one-to-one coaching to help you connect dots and make decisions just like you've heard on this podcast and like you are about to hear. You'll also gain a toolbox to sustain a resilient mindset, an intimate community of like-minded women supporting and inspiring you, and a safe space to learn and grow. Think of the time and energy you'd save if you knew where to focus, if you felt confident and in control as you were taking action, and you stayed balanced on your surfboard when life throws a wave your way. Yes, still do the analogies always. <laughs> if that sounds appealing, then grab a spot on my schedule through the link on my website or in the show notes. We will see if it's a good fit. There is no pressure on this call. Worst thing that happens is we spend a little time chatting and you decide it's not for you. Best thing that happens is we spend a little time chatting and you decide to take the leap into something new and join some other amazing women on this journey. Don't wait though because this is an intimate group of only six women, so I don't have a lot of space available. But if you want it and it sounds good to you, then I want to make sure that you get in. So grab a spot on that calendar. And now, without further ado, let's get this session started. Hey there, I'm Valerie Friedlander, Certified Life Business Alignment Coach, and this is Unlimited. This podcast bridges the individual and the societal, scientific and spiritual, positive and negative, nerdy and no, there's just a lot of nerdy. (laughs) Come on board and let's unlock a life that's as badass as you are. I like to start when, as we get into it, if I were to give you a magic wand and you could wave it and by the end of the session, something amazing had happened, you got exactly what you came for, what would you say had occurred? Um, I'd say that, you know, I had, I had a good sort of set of the next steps of where to get me where I want to go, you know, I, I, I'd have, um, yeah, an idea of what I need to do because <laughs> uh-huh. right now I'm just sort of like, I, I am doing a lot of planning and trying to figure out where to go. Um, I'm just not sure how, so if I could get some, <laughs> if I had a magic wand, I'd hope to know how. Okay. That totally makes sense. Um, How can be really overwhelming. I find that anytime we get into how, and you'll even notice, I don't ask a lot of how questions because 
anytime you ask, well, how do I do that? The automatic answer, I don't know why, but like our brain automatically goes to, I don't know. Right. <laughs> um, so I'm curious, where do you want to go? Yeah. I mean, I, I want to be working in public health. Um, I want to be doing something public health related. I want to be, you know, helping the world um, in some way and um, making money (laughs) while I do it um, enough to, you know, get by. Um, That is the goal right now. I am currently job searching. I am unemployed um, and just doing, I, I guess I'm underemployed. I'm doing part-time work as a contact tracer, uh, doing COVID-19 contact tracing. It's not even enough to make up what I make on unemployment. So they they just like take out what I make on doing contact tracing out of my unemployment. Um, And then, yeah. um, So yeah, but it just, so sorry. Um, So the issue that I'm running into is that I have a PhD <laughs> in virology and I have so much research experience and a lot of public health experience in the maternal health world through public speaking and things like that. And when I apply for jobs in the public health realm, even though I'm only a few months away from getting my master's in public health, it's like they only see me as a researcher and someone without experience in public health, um, like work experience in public health, even though I have all of this, you know, um, significant (laughs) experience in, in maternal health and, and, and advocacy. And, um, I just don't know. I don't know how to get people to see me as a public health person. Um, Like it employ me as a public health professional. It's weird. I just feel like I'm in a weird spot where it's not that I regret my PhD, but it feels like it's holding me back. Yeah. Okay. That, that is something that a lot of people experience. I think with higher ed degrees and the box, interestingly enough, that it can put you in. So I'm curious within this, what is it that you want to do within that space? Yeah, I mean, I, I would like to do, you know, some type of epidemiology work um, or work with you know the the nonprofit that I started certainly it would be wonderful to to be full time working on my own nonprofit but that just it's just not something that I can do right now without funding <laughs> so you know um certainly long term I'd love to be full time working on my own nonprofit but um I need to make money in the interim <laughs> Um, and you know, that's something that has, um, it's been frustrating to deal with, I guess, you know, I, I had decided, uh, last year to 
you know, um, move away from the postdoc that I was in. And I tried an industry position and I worked there for a few months and it was hell. (laughs) I, I, I had convinced myself that I would be able to do it until I finished my master's in public health and it would just, you know, be enough money to get me through till the next thing. (laughs) And it was awful. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering within, so you said ideally you'd be working on your nonprofit full time. If let's pull that magic wand out again. If I gave you the magic wand and you were able to do anything you wanted, you could wave it and your focus of your work was whatever you wanted it to be. What would you be doing? I'd be working on my nonprofit full time. Okay. What <laughs> yeah. does that look like? So, I mean, I guess it doesn't look too differently than what I'm doing right now, I suppose. Um, Cause I've been actually spending a lot of my time uh, since I lost my job working on finally getting that 501c3 status. I just got an intern, <laughs> which was amazing. Um, it's just that um, I don't I don't have funding for my own salary and bills and stuff like that, which, um, you know, it's not like I'm looking to make a hundred thousand dollars a year, you know, just enough to like help pay my mortgage. Um, so, you know, one of the things that I've you know been focusing on is trying to figure out how to get grant funding for my nonprofit so that I could have some money um, to pay myself. So it, okay. So ideally you'd be working on the nonprofit and in a lot of ways that is what you're already doing. How clear are you on the amount of money you need to be making for that to be the primary focus of what you do? Um, I have not, (laughs) <laughs> put a budgeted it, I suppose. Okay. Um, I have. What would it that. take for you to actually get some numbers for yourself? Um, I don't think it would be too difficult to figure out. I mean, what I'm making, it would just have to be a little bit more than what I'm making on unemployment um, right now, because unemployment is really very minimal. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, I have a budget figured out. It's just <laughs> what we're making right now. You know what I mean? Like, I just haven't thought about, um, yeah, what I would need. Okay. Oftentimes, when we think about money, it it triggers an emotional response. And that can create blocks to actually finding out the real numbers that are necessary. What I heard you say as we just started is that your attention is on getting a job in something that matters, but that you're really struggling to make headway in that. But what you really want to be doing is spending time on your nonprofit and working primarily there. You have a sense that you don't actually need that much more money than what you're making on unemployment to make that a thing. You've been able to get an intern. Yay. (laughs) So there's, there's movement there. What do you think is stopping you from focusing on that instead of trying to get a job somewhere else? Um, 
I think just the worry that, well, just because I, I could make more doing something else, probably, you know, <laughs> um, and um, I don't know, I guess I think probably uh, health care, <laughs> it's expensive. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, I think the, if I knew how much I really needed to make that a reality, that would be helpful <laughs> in trying to also find grant money to make it happen. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, when, when the emotional stuff takes over and like, yes, you, pro- you might could make more money somewhere else, but you just told me that the money part isn't the part that's important. Right. The part that's important is making enough so that you're sustainable and can live a, a decent life while making a difference in the world. So it doesn't need to be tons of money. It just needs to be enough. But if you don't know what enough is, it falls into that bucket of like um, the the inner critic voice of like nothing is ever enough. It will never be enough. So naturally you're going to focus on something else that seems like that feels like it's going to be more enough. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I, I, you know, and, um, I don't know. It doesn't, even though I, I, I've been working on this for a while, it doesn't feel like a job either. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, it would be weird for me to not be working for someone else. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's definitely a thing. Like we very much get into our heads. The the things that we enjoy that we're passionate about aren't worth uh, making a living off of. Yeah. Somehow that like that somehow that isn't legitimate way of living. Um, Yeah. And that's yeah, that you're not alone. That's a very common one that comes up a lot. I find that especially the women that I work with will struggle with, but this is fun. So clearly I'm not working hard enough to make the money that I'm wanting to make as though making right. money is supposed to be hard. <laughs> yeah. 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 And um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's very so true. Yeah. we have, we have one action step. So one, uh, how, which is get a number so that you know what kind of grants that you need to be applying for and, and the amount right. that you need to be getting to make that something that's sustainable for you to work on. Right. Okay. What will it take for you to do that? To figure out a number? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would just have to look back at our budget and figure out what it is that I need. I mean, it wouldn't take more than a couple hours, honestly. Okay. When do you um, think you could do that? Um, tomorrow, <laughs> tonight. Okay. I don't know. I mean, I've, uh, you know, um, what do you think about picking a time and, and committing to that time? Yeah. Um, cause right now I make my own schedule with the contact tracing. And so, um, yeah, maybe around like two o'clock tomorrow after the inauguration, I can think about a budget. Okay. So given that and knowing your needs, how much do you think you may want space to decompress or process 
versus space to distract yourself? What sounds more loving for you? Um, well, I mean, uh, my, my husband's really good at, you know, if I need to go take a bath or work out, he's pretty good with that. So I think it might be, a, um, it, it would be very helpful to do the budget and then maybe go work out or something. Okay. Okay. Cause I, uh, I mean, we want to make sure that you're setting yourself up for success with it. Right. Versus like <laughs> having it be like, oh, I definitely don't want to look at that right now, but it could, you know, feel like doing something. And sometimes yeah. when there are big things going on, creating something small that's actionable can actually help you yeah. ground in like, okay, this is what's yeah. real now for me as a person. Yeah. Maybe instead okay. of 2 p.m., I do 8 a.m. before therapy. That's <laughs> <laughs> probably a better idea. Okay. So you said 8, 8 a.m.? 8 a.m. Yeah. Okay. Tomorrow 8, 8 a.m. tomorrow. <laughs> You're going to do do the budget and get a sense of what you actually need so that you can go after it. And what would need to be true for you to shift your attention to making that a reality versus pursuing jobs that aren't what you really want to be doing? Um, I mean, if I'm able to find finding Finding a grant that would pay salaries, a salary for myself, might be a little difficult, but I know they're out there. <laughs> How much harder do you think it would yeah. be than finding a job? I think it's probably about as difficult. Okay. <laughs> um, and I was already going to apply for grants, you know, within the next few months anyway. Um so focusing instead of more broadly on just anything <laughs> um, to focus on ones that would pay for a salary for myself is probably a good way to focus anyway, because there's so many different grants out there. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that, I mean, that makes sense too, because that has more energy behind it than mm. the I don't really want to get this job, but I need to get this job. We have less energy for need tos than want tos. So you already know you want to make this nonprofit work. Yeah. So that's already a given. So what would you need to believe to give yourself permission to really engage that? I guess that it's actually worthy of my time. And that my time that I spend on it is worthy of being paid for. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. How, how much do you believe that? Like if you were to put it on a scale of one to 10, one being not at all and 10 being totally, how much do you believe that now? Um, I'd say it's definitely higher on the scale than it was before I started talking to you. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> uh, I don't know if I'm all the way, way there yet, but I'm certainly starting to realize, you know, it is worthy of being paid for. Um, if, you know, I, I've been working with a group that helps you get your 501c3 status. And they were asking me in part of, you know, the budgeting, like how much 
money. Could you take back off on your taxes for the time and, and money you put into it? They asked it in a different way. And I was like, what do you, what do you mean? <laughs> and they were like, the, the money and time that you put into it, you can, you can like bill yourself for that. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I, I, and, and I mean, it makes total sense. I mean, part of my, you know, the plans and I'm actually trying for some smaller grants already are just to pay my, the, the co-facilitator that I have for, you know, the book club for my nonprofit. And I, you know, I wasn't paying myself for it. <laughs> I just was trying to make sure I had enough money to pay her um, as a co-facilitator. And it, it's kind of weird to think that I was like, why, you know, like, if I if I wanted to pay her, why wouldn't I want to pay myself as well? Um, it's easy to take our own efforts for granted, especially when it's something that we're passionate about. I, and I see that all the time. So that you're in very good company with that, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> um, that we we forget just like, you know, we put ourselves on the back burners as moms and and that whole thing of like, there's a reason we are always talking about self-care as a mother. It's because we often forget that part. But like, you know, if you run a coffee shop and you're buying coffee, but you don't take care of your coffee maker, who cares if you have a ton of coffee, no coffee maker, right. no coffee. Right. Um, so how clear are you on what your time is worth? Well, you know, I, I got paid as a consultant at a rate of $250 per hour (laughs) for doing um, some grant reviewing for Merck. Um, And I have certainly never been, (laughs) I have never thought of myself as someone who is, is deserving of a $250 per hour, you know, um, stipend. But I, I, you know, was like, I worked all these hours for sure. (laughs) You know, like, uh, and I, you know, got paid and that's helping me pay my bills right now. Yeah. So, I mean, I've been paid as a subject matter expert at a rate of $250 per hour. And that's, I don't know, that's the going rate for that. (laughs) Okay. You know, Um, but yeah. Money we often think of money as being a, um, as, as indicating value and there's all this stuff around money in our society. <laughs> like we, we can't even go there yet, but money's just energy. It's about sustainability. It's, it's an exchange of energy. So I wonder what would be different for you if you pretended you were hiring somebody for the work that you are doing on your business or on this um, nonprofit, if you were to hire somebody to do that work, how much would you want to pay them if you had whatever amount of money you wanted? Right. Yeah. Um, That's a good question. I don't have the answer, but that is definitely a good question. Um, Yeah. Would, would, would two fifty feel reasonable to you? Uh, that, I mean, it seems like something way out of the 
much. <laughs> you if know, money was, know. was just a construct. We just made it up. Yeah. You know, and, and you wanted to, you wanted to acknowledge somebody's effort and applicant right. and, and energy that they're putting into making this real and being of service, doing the service that it's there to do. And you wanted to honor their energy. Yeah. What would you want to pay them? Yeah. I mean, I, I thought a reasonable amount for, you know, my co-facilitator was, you know, $50 per hour. Um, you know, I, given that I don't have a lot to give, I would have loved to have, you know, if I had enough funding, I'd love to give a hundred dollars per hour. I think that's more than reasonable, <laughs> you know, a hundred, um, a hundred dollars per hour seems like it makes the most sense. Okay. All right. Yeah. Would a hundred dollars an hour allow you to be sustainable? Um, I am not good at math. (laughs) I have no idea what that translates to. Okay. Uh, That'll be part of the, the homework then as you go through how, what your numbers are, like what's the budget for the nonprofit is because money has so much baggage, making it a tangible number instead of an emotional number is really key because when it's emotional, like I feel this way about money, we can't interact with it because it's not, it's not real. So you're naturally going to have issues of worthiness and deserving and all of that imposter syndrome and all that stuff is going to come up with that. So making it tangible in terms of how much do you need to make to be sustainable? What's that minimum? Right. And then you can build from there into what's this actually worth? Like, what are people paying for? What's the going rate for this? Like, if I were to get a job doing this, how much could I expect to be paid? So that's right. actually what I really want to be paid. But then you you have those numbers to be able to determine as you engage the grant process, what numbers you are looking for, what are you asking for, what's necessary, what's your minimum requirement, your maximum requirement to make that your full-time focus. Right. So that you don't keep getting pulled into these other job things and put this passion on the back burner. Yeah. And not just a passion just because you feel like it, but because you know that it's needed and it's important work. Yeah. And I'm good at it. And you're good at it. I'm actually good at it, you know, and that's one of the frustrating things about being in the job market when you're just like applying to all these places and you're like, I know that I could do this so well, you know, and never hearing back. <laughs> it's so frustrating. It's it's frustrating and it it can start to reaffirm the question of deservingness and worth that as we were talking before that pulled you away from you paying yourself. Yeah. Cuz you had that reaffirmed, well, I don't actually deserve to get paid cuz nobody's paying right. me. 
we're social creatures. So we take cues off of the people around us and we interpret them in the ways that we interpret them. So knowing that you're good at this and you deserve to make a living off of it, and it's going to do what you said you wanted to do, which is help the world. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I, you know, I've been, I've been doing this, um, like, uh, start to day journal thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, two of the big goals that I have on there that are like my 10, (laughs) 10, you know, 10 year goals or whatever. Um, one is for motherhood mortality to be decreasing. And that's why I'm doing the work that I'm doing. And then the other is for mom effect my, you know, for my nonprofit to have a multi-million dollar budget. And it's never going to happen if I don't ever focus on it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. So now you know where your focus needs to be for what you actually want to create. You're going to get the numbers necessary to start in that direction. Cause this is, we're just starting. Right. So that you're starting in a place where you're sustainable and you don't have to keep, you know, you don't feel that pull to keep looking. What I was hearing is the big obstacle to that has been this subconscious story about not actually deserving to make money doing this. So what will help you remember that you do deserve to make money doing this work? Jeez. (laughs) Like this is, I, I mean, there's, there's people getting paid to be the executive directors and CEOs of all these wonderful nonprofits around the world. Um, and they certainly get paid. <laughs> so why shouldn't I? Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I definitely hear what you're saying about, you know, the, the instinct to think back about, you know, your worth and whether or not your, you know, um, worthiness is, whether or not I'm worthy to be getting paid to do what I want to do and what needs to be done. That has been a huge, huge obstacle in my life ever since I started grad school and has been something that continues to crop up throughout my life. And to finally recognize that it's popping up here too is really helpful because you know, I, I didn't see it, you know, and I've been able to push, push past, you know, that feeling of worthlessness that I got from, you know, my, I had an awful PI who would always tell me, um, I would meet with him once a week and he would always ask, how are you justifying your miserable existence this week? Oh, yikes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh. He's awful. <laughs> exactly. And he would literally tell me, you are worthless. You are useless. Um, that poor person, can you imagine, what do you have to believe about yourself to see that in the people around you? Like that's, I'm a, I mean, what we say is about us and what other people hear is about them and vice versa. So that wasn't about you. Oh yeah. 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 And and it, it took a lot of a lot of therapy and a lot of people, you know, to help me recognize that, 
you know, I'm not worthless. I'm not useless. This is him. Yeah. <laughs> this is not, this is not you, you know, and I was able to get out of that situation and finish Good. my PhD under a different mentor who's amazing. <laughs> and I still talk, talk to each other all the time. And even recently when I was applying for a different postdoc position, um, re- relatively recently that he was like, what are you doing? Like, you do not want to do research. Why are you applying yeah. <laughs> to this job? Like, you want to do public health. Um, like, it makes no sense. And even though I interviewed for that position, like, <laughs> and, you know, I could have probably gotten it if I hadn't talked so much about how much my career I want is going to be in public health. <laughs> I think it pushed her away from me. But yeah, I, I think this this is really helpful um, in a lot of ways into, you know, helping me realize why I haven't, yeah. you know, focused on my nonprofit as a worthwhile pursuit that could be my life's work versus something that I still would be doing full time. And while also clocking in for someone else. Yeah. This has been very helpful. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. All right. So you have, you have an action plan. Um, The other thing that you said just a minute ago was uh, what I need to do next. And so I want to highlight that as you move forward, your first step is the financial piece and getting real numbers to address what I heard you remind yourself is it's possible to make this nonprofit what you want it to be. You've seen it done before. You know it's possible. You know it's possible to make good money doing this work. You've seen it before. You know it can be done. So it's really you emphasizing for yourself that you are deserving of being that person who has created a multi-million dollar nonprofit that helps people and changes the world, that you deserve to be that person. And so as you take your next steps, rather than asking, how am I going to do this? Asking, what's the next step? So turn it into a what question. What's the next step? What do I need to know next? What's the next thing to do to either get more information or put something out there? I mean, a lot of times it is just getting more information, getting information about like what this grant will do or what grant I need, Right. getting more information. So like, what do I need to know and what action do I need to take? And keep it in the what questions rather than the how questions because those will always feel overwhelming yeah. and they'll trigger that old stuff of like, well, do can I really do this? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, I'm excited. I can't wait to hear yeah. how things go and like what the what you find out and the grants that you apply for and receive. Yeah, I'm excited. I really, this has been really, really helpful. I'm really appreciative of you <laughs> for, for, you know, offering, offering this up and it's, yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's absolutely my pleasure.
I hope that you enjoyed listening to this session. I would love to hear any ahas that you have. So please feel free to reach out to me either on Instagram, Facebook, or send me an email. And I encourage you to ask yourself, what does it mean for you to dream big? I see it as looking beyond your limitations and into what you really want to create in your life. Expect miracles, not because I or anyone else is working them for you, but because you can create them in your own life. So what does it mean for you to dream big? And if you'd like support with that, I am here for you. I am here for that. Reach out. Let's see if the flow mastery is a good fit for you. Or if you're looking for one-to-one, we can explore that too. Either way, keep coming back and I'll talk to y'all next time. Thanks for listening. I so appreciate you being here. If you got something out of today's episode, please share it. Leave me a review, take a screenshot and post it on social with a shout out to me. Send it to a friend or, you know, all of the above. Want to hang out more? Join me on Instagram. Or better yet, get on my mailing list to make sure you don't miss out on anything. And remember, your possibilities are as unlimited as you are. Allow yourself to shine, my friend. The world needs your light. See you next time.